It's so good to be in the, in the body together, isn't it? Who knows the Lord's dealing with us? Who knows it's good for the Lord to deal with you? I didn't intend to say any of those things. I didn't try to work any of those things up. Just felt like the Lord was dealing with us here, but it's so good. In fact, we just pray again just one more time here. Lord, I just thank you that whatever you're doing, Lord, we would just be willing I thank you, Lord. We're not stubborn, stiff-necked people. Thank you, Lord. But we are pliable and moldable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. I just have a simple word for you today. It's good to see all of you here. And uh, the word of the Lord, uh, it's interesting. On Tuesday morning of this week, I sat down and I wrote down a line just in my notes, sometimes I do that. Sometimes it's sometimes I'm working on something for weeks, and sometimes it's just something that even pops up on Saturday. It's like that. But on Tuesday morning, um, I sat down and I wrote a line, which I wasn't sure if it would be the foundation to this week's sermon or not. I was still unsure for a few days, but I wrote down this: David's mighty men were the misfit toys. Who knows David's mighty men? In the Bible, and who knows the misfit toys? Anybody know the misfit toys from Rudolph? Remember? And so I just wrote that down. It was a thought. So I came to church on Tuesday night for our Bible study, and Jeannie was speaking, and she said, she was saying how the Lord was reminding her of normal people, just normal. Everybody say normal. Normal people doing what would seem like normal things. She was just testifying about this woman in her neighborhood who just did normal things, but it was the Lord actually just showed her of how she is honored in heaven today for doing what would be little and, you know, not. it's not a great, she's not a name that's going to have, you know, written in marble. She's not a name that'll be known, you know, here on the earth, but in heaven the Lord knows her for her faithfulness. So I didn't know that I was writing down on, and I actually didn't even make the connection for a couple of days, and then I went back and I started to look at my notes, and I thought, wow, this is really funny. I guess you're saying something, Lord, here. So I just want to say this. I want to say, we're normal, but we're not normal. You're normal, but you're not normal. You know, there's no such thing as a famous person. You know what fame is? Fame is just other people idolizing that person. We're all just people, aren't we? Everybody here is just a person created just like the quote-unquote famous people. And the Lord actually has a plan and a purpose for every single person. God's got a call for every single person. And just because you don't preach to a million people, just because you haven't gone to Africa just because you haven't done, quote-unquote, amazing, big, giant things that's from the world's perspective doesn't mean that you are not exactly who God has called you to be. I just feel like the Lord wanted me, just for this, our little church, to come here today and just encourage you that God has a plan and purpose for your life and that you are not normal. You're only normal in man's perspective. You're just normal because you're looking through you're looking through their eyes at yourself. Now that's a funny thing, isn't it? 
You only judge yourself as a nobody and as normal because you're looking through their eyes at you. But God doesn't see you that way. God sees you as mighty warriors, as giants in the kingdom. In fact, uh, if you go through your Bible and you start with Adam and Eve and you work your way all the way through the Old Testament and into all the apostles of the New Testament, which you're going to find is not only just normal people, but people with lots and lots of issues. Everybody say issues and weaknesses, right? God's, did you ever find, come on, if you're a mature Christian, you definitely are aware of this. Did you ever find, as you're reading through your Bible, that God picks uh, the least of the least, even the worst of the worst? That's who God picks. God doesn't really pick people that shine on their own. In fact, we have a story of a guy, I don't, we don't quite know God's full intention. God was about to call David to be a king that all the other kings would have to follow in his footsteps. Even Jesus would be born from David. But before him was a man named Saul. The Bible says that Saul was taller than everyone else and he was charismatic. I'm putting some modern words to his character, right? But he was easy. He was... He was actually humble, but when he became king, the people loved him, and he was, you know, he was the king, he was a king like the other kings, well, just like the people wanted. I don't quite know, because God did pick him. I don't quite know God's full intention if it was just to show us man versus, you know, the heart of God in a man. But we know the story. What happens? Saul becomes prideful, right? Saul does not submit himself to the Lord. He begins a downward spiral of thinking he was the man. He gets jealous of David. In fact, we're going to look at that today. He wants to pursue David to kill David. And Samuel comes along and he says to Saul at, at one point in his life, and it's really the pivotal point where he lost his kingdom, right? Come on, if you know your Bible, you know the story. Samuel comes and he says, what are you doing sacrificing all these animals? That's my job. Why are you doing this? Or me and the priest should be doing this. And, and he says, oh, well, I thought, you know, you took too long to get here and, and so on. We don't, you know, you know the story. We don't need to get into all the details. But basically what happens is, is he, he tells Samuel, you know, honor me in front of the people. He refuses to repent at that moment. The kingdom is snatched from his hands, and it's, a, it's just a downward spiral. He ends up consulting a medium, right? Ends up, right, seeing some sort of psychic <laughs> witch woman, right? Trying to bring Samuel up from the dead later on in his life. I mean, it's a bad, bad thing. But what, what, what is it? What happened? What was the difference between him and this next king who's about to come on the scene, David? It's very simple. It was purely the fact that Saul was filled with pride and David was filled with humility. And that's why he went on to do amazing things, even though David had many flaws too, didn't he? Come on. You know, David has, not only did David have an affair, but when he tried to cover it up, he doesn't just kill Uriah, but like 
you know, 20 guys, 20 other innocent guys die with him. And yet, when you go through your Bible, God can't stop talking about his David, the man after his own heart. What was the difference between Saul and David? It was pride versus humility. And what I want us to see today is that David was just a normal guy. He was just a normal nobody, just a shepherd out in the fields. His brothers had no respect for him, right? Who knows the story? And Saul was filled with pride. You know, it's, it's June. I know it's dangerous to say these words because, you know, it's, this podcast goes out on the Internet. But it's Pride Month. I'm not saying anything else. But it's June. It's June. And then the Lord's having me speak some of these things today. God doesn't do well with pride. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. But humility... The Lord says, humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. It's an amazing lifestyle, in fact, as Christians. That's really what the cross is. When we come to the altar, when we came to the cross at salvation, what did we do? It's very simple. Lord, I give you my life. I, I, it's the ultimate picture of humility. And then as Christians, we don't just do that once, right? Yes, maybe the prayer is once at the cross, but it is a life. It is a life, I said, I give you my life, we can't take it back again. Now it's a life of every single day, that life of living in humility before him. And you know what? You can be the most normal of normal of normal. And you stay humble before the Lord and just let the Lord use you in the life he's placed you in. And to God, you are a great. There's no books written about you because we don't, you know, we're living in the now. So we would take, we'd have to look into eternity. But I can tell you, the same way that God is honoring David, he's honoring you. We have many, many scriptures that tell us that if we live this way, a humble lifestyle, we live before him, submitted to him, what do we, what do we strive for? What does the Bible say? Doing what he's called you to do with the gifts he's called you to do. What do we strive for? So that he, we will hear what? good and faithful servants. So in the same way that the Lord honored a normal guy, David, he can honor normal people like you. And, 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 and Saul, I'm not saying he wasn't a normal, but when he became somebody, as soon as he became somebody and then needed to be somebody, that was his fall. The fall was this striving to need to be like the other kings, maybe to be honored or refusing even before God to repent. Anybody getting anything out of this? You know, there's a, a, a history, like I said, from Adam and Eve all the way through the entire Bible. I mean, just, just a few. We have Moses, who literally could have, had, could have been, he was in the courts of Egypt, right? Who knows the story? Moses was in the courts of Egypt, but the Bible says that he rejected the things of Egypt. He chose to put those things that were at his disposal to the side. And again, in a picture of humility, humbled himself, went and joined the slaves. Now, God did deliver them, but he made the decision to humble himself before the Lord delivered him, didn't he? Noah. Noah was humble and listened to God in a time when no one else did. John the Baptist 
as well as all the prophets through the Old Testament. They lived in a wilderness lifestyle. They were, if you were to judge them by their lives in the time that they were living, they were not only nobodies, they were even hunted down, right? And most of them were then killed by their own people. And yet we have books under their names. We have John the Baptist, who has, just like the prophets of old, was ultimately beheaded. He was just some guy out in the wilderness. You know, he, it's, it was just as weird then as it is now that a guy was wearing, you know, camel's hair and eating bugs. All right, that was weird then too. It's not just now when we read about him. And yet Jesus spoke of him. He said there's no greater prophet that has lived than John the Baptist. What I want us to see, hopefully I'm making, hopefully I'm not saying too much all over the place and I'm not making a point, that God's perspective of great versus the world's perspective of great are two different things. You literally have a nobody in the wilderness to the world. Now, there were many Jews that did go out and they were baptized by him and they repented there in the Jordan as he baptized them. Yes, but if you looked at the world as a whole, you know, they were being occupied by Rome at the time. Certainly, he had no respect from Rome, the world. Let's just say that you guys get the picture here. The metaphor is that the, that the Jews were God's people, and we have the world that surrounded them, just like we do today. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. And don't expect the world to respect you. Don't expect the world to honor you. Don't expect the world to understand you. You don't need them to. And then, that's the world who didn't respect him. But even now, amongst God's people, the Jews, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious, come, and John said, who told you to come to me? We just see a picture, if you really look through your word, it's a very different perspective. And for the last two weeks, I talked about time, really seeing time from God's perspective instead of ours. And so this is, I'm not really doing, it's not a part three, but I'm going along this theme of seeing yourself, seeing the call and the plan and purpose that God has put on you through God's perspective and not your own. I'll just sum it up with this. Before I even finish preaching this sermon, let me just say this. You just be who God calls you to be. If it's called to be a mother to your children, if it's called to be a friend, if it's called to be diligent at your job, if it's called to be a great name that sure is penned down in books and written in marble and statues, you just be who God called you to be, and you don't need to worry about anything or anybody else. And as soon as we do, we end up getting, you don't mean to, but you will step right into pride. As soon as you think, you know, why aren't you honoring me? Why aren't you respecting me? Or that we need those things, you can very easily step into pride and become somebody that God didn't call you to be. God's people never fit into the norms. And also, God doesn't pick the people we would have or think that we should. The Bible seminaries of today, when they sent out applications for new recruits, come join our churches across the world. The disciples all put pen down, right? Jesus' 12 disciples, they all put applications in. I'd like to be a, I'd like to be a pastor. 
like to be a, an evangelist? They all sent their applications in, and they said, a fisherman? I've said this before. Fishermen were the same as they are today. Imagine a fisherman today, how they talk, and the fishermen back then were exactly the same. Tax collectors were your, were your mafia today. They're going around and they're roughing people up. They're giving you an offer you couldn't refuse. And Jesus is like, that's perfect. I'll take one of those. I'll take a couple of those rough fishermen. Why did Jesus pick them? Why did Jesus pick them and not the people that the town were like, man, you know, this guy over here, this woman over here, man, they're just amazing. Do you ever see what they do for God? They're so amazing. Why did God pick those guys and not the ones that the world would say is the shining example, the perfect recruit for Jesus? It's very simple. God is jealous for his glory. You know that. It's not an insult. Don't get insulted. But God picked you because you were nobody on purpose. But you're not nobody in his eyes. You get what I'm saying? You are somebody in his eyes, but you are nobody in the world's eyes on purpose so that when God uses your life, who gets the glory? God gets all the glory. He is so jealous for his glory, and the Bible says, I will share my glory with no man or woman. But this is the amazing thing. The amazing thing is that in Christ, we do get to share his glory. And let me tell you why. How can the Bible say something, right, Dan? Is, it, is the Bible contradict itself? The Bible says, I will share my glory with no man, with no flesh. And yet Jesus, the promise through Christ is that we share in his glory. How is that possible? Is the Bible, come on, church, are we like the world judging the, the word? Or are we looking at the word and judging ourselves? Come on, the disconnect is not in the word that disconnects with me. I don't understand, so I, must, I have to peel back the pages and see what it says. You know why that's possible? That he can say, I'll share my glory with no man, and yet then Jesus says uh, we're going to share our glo- his glory with him? Because there's no flesh left in you in Christ. You are not flesh. That's what the picture of humility is. That's what the picture of the cross is. The real picture of salvation is not praying a prayer. It's not a quick ticket to heaven. It's not a happy meal with Jesus. Real salvation was the Lord, I give you my life. And at that moment, the Bible says in Romans and Colossians 3 that you died. Everybody say it out loud. I died. The problem with Saul is that he wasn't willing to die. The problem with humanity today, with pride, is that pride puffs, right? It says pride puffs up, puff our chest up, look at me, look at my, look at my achievements, or, and it becomes stubbornness. I'm not going to change for anybody or anything, and I'm not going to do anything you tell me to. Just the opposite of death. The greatest love is laying your life down for those you love. The greatest picture of Christ to us that we can get, the Bible says, is like a husband and wife. 
It says it's a mystery. We're never going to understand it. But in the same way, Christ loved us. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's a picture, literally, of him dying on the cross for me. And husbands, we lay down our lives. It's not my will. It's not my way. It's your way. How can I serve you? How can I love you and take care of you? Husbands to your wives. And so we see this picture very different and very opposite. The world says, what about me? What about my feelings? What about, you know, what about my happiness? What about my joy? My, 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 me, me, me. And it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope down. It's, it's funny. It goes down. It goes, your, your flesh goes up. It's pride. That's where there's no, the Lord is not going to share his glory there. Your pride comes up, but you're going down, down, down. That's a slippery slope. But instead, we lay ourselves down, right? James, James 4. We lay ourselves down. We lower ourselves. We draw close to him. He draws close to us. That's where the devil then has no power and cannot touch you. I began to meditate on this, just a picture that the Lord showed me, and I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't trying to ask the Lord, show me something. I just began to just think about a diamond. You know when they find diamonds, they don't look like diamonds. Anybody know that? You don't just pick up a diamond ring out of the soil. Who's ever seen the movie Blood Diamond? Right? It's just a, it's just a rock. It's not the diamond that has value that we appreciate, really, until it's cut. Everybody say, until it's cut. You have to be cut. The Lord, see, the Lord sees the precious through the worthless, though, doesn't he? The world says you're worthless, but the Lord says you're precious. And God's, he, we're, we live in the kingdom of God. You know that we're living in the kingdom of God. Are you guys aware of that? Even though you're on the earth and you're living under the, right now, in the kingdom of the United States, because that's where you live. Maybe you're listening somewhere else in the world, in the podcast. But we live in this natural kingdom of the earth, the natural kingdom under the United States, under a natural president. But we are also, in our spirit, in the kingdom of God. And God is actually using you more than you realize you are not just going about your day and doing these, you know, meaningless things that sometimes it feels like. Sometimes it feels like, what am I doing with my life? I'm just, I feel like I'm just burning rubber. I'm getting nowhere. And that's just because you're looking at that diamond. You're looking at it through the world's perspective. And then the Lord begins to work on you, begins to cut, cut cut, cut. Who's been cut by the Lord? It's a good thing, though. It's not a bad thing. Come on, it's a good thing. Who can testify of it? It hurts during, doesn't it? The humbling, the lowering down before the Lord when the Lord just starts dealing with us and just lowering us, lowering us, lowering us, lowering us, lowering us. It's a, it, is, it is precious, though, because the Lord is actually, that's where we begin to shine for him. It's not you anymore. What does the word say? It is not I, but it is Christ in me. Praise God. 
I've been preaching word, word, word. I haven't put anything on the screen yet. If you notice, it's been scripture, scripture, scripture. But I apologize. I need to put some things up on the screen. David's mighty men were the misfit toys. This, this line that popped in my head, it's because who is aware that David was not just a warrior by himself? Anybody aware that David had some men that were also, you know, we, we know the story, right? What happens? Just very quickly, what happens? I started to just touch on it a few moments ago, but Saul, he becomes jealous of David. And basically, David's like, you know, I think Saul's trying to kill me. Jonathan is like, no, my dad loves you. He's not trying to kill you. That spear he threw at you, that's just because that's just the way he loves. He's just, it's a rough love. But David, they figure it out. Okay, Jonathan, David, yep, you're right. My dad does want to kill you. So David's on the run. But, you know, God used... See, I say it this way many times. You can either humble yourself or you can let God humble you. And if you're willing to be humble, don't think that he's not going to listen to that prayer or that, that, that uh, statement of humility, Lord, I give you my life, lay down my life, whatever you want from me, wherever you want to use me. The Lord listens. And many times the path that he takes you down is not the path you imagined. God came to David as a young man. He was a late teenager, teenager, maybe 15, 16, 17 years old. And he says, you know, this is, this is the man after my own heart. This is going to be the next king. David kills Goliath. You'd think, man, if you're reading the story not knowing the end, when David kills Goliath, you'd be thinking, this is it. This is his path to victory. Nobody, not even King Saul, could kill Goliath or, or was willing to try. Here comes David. But the Bible says that really instead of that being a triumphant moment to kind of bring him into the kingship that God had for him, it was actually a pivotal moment where his fame actually worked against him. Saul began to hate him. You know, the Bible says, if the world hates you, John 15, if the world hates you, remember verse 18, John 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Don't be surprised or confused that the world does not like you. I think it's really funny. Hopefully I'm making some sense, by the way. I'm a little scattered. I mean, it's, it's in line, but maybe it seems scattered. I'm making a point, hopefully. <laughs> I think it's funny that we get excited when we find out someone famous is Christian. Come on. Just found out they're a Christian. I mean, there's two ways I could say it. First of all, I mean... I don't know that their life showed any reflection of that being a Christian, except it was a statement. I'll leave that over there, though. But just because it's like it's somebody famous, now we're like, oh, man, they're a Christian. That's exciting because I'm a Christian, too, and someone famous is a Christian. Isn't it funny how we think? 
it's only funny because we're all thinking. We've all been there. All every single one of us, we heard out somebody in our world, whatever that world is. And you know, we really should not strive to be liked or loved by this world. I'm not telling you to go out and try to be a jerk. All right, like I said, it's Pride Month. I'm not going to put up any signs. I'm not doing any protests. I'm not going to do any marches. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not even going to say an evil word against it. You guys can read between the lines of what, you know, what I believe the word says there, but that's it. And that's, but I believe the Lord loves them just as he loves you and I in our sin, doesn't he? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. God, it hits me a little hard. But with that said, you don't need to try just because we don't, we're not going to do a, aggressive, abrasive things. We don't need to do that. You just be Christ. You be the love that the world needs. But don't be surprised when that's what you're doing. Don't, now, you might be surprised if you're holding up a sign against their sign that they don't like you. Right? If they've got a sign and I've got a sign, it's not as surprising that you're going to find some aggressiveness and hatred towards you. But now all you want to do is just love this world. All we want to do is just love the broken. We want to bro love the hurting. We want to love those trapped in sin. Maybe they're more pronounced and more bold sins. They're the ones on, you know, that we see, but we're all filled with sin. We're all filled with putrid, dark, disgusting sin that we all have had to equally repent of. Amen. But don't be surprised when loving you, who you are aware that you're the same. You, you've, you've come to terms that I'm just like the world without Christ, and I've repented, and that's all. You need his love like I need his love, and they still. In fact, it's almost like the more you love, the more they hate you. Don't be surprised. Don't be confused. It's exactly what should happen. It doesn't mean God wants it to happen. When I say it should happen, it doesn't mean that's what God wanted to happen. Amen. You guys get what I'm saying. The Lord loves this world, and he said, I, he says, he says, the word says, that none should perish. The Lord doesn't want any to perish. But the Bible says that Jesus said of himself. This is John 15 when, when we're reading this. Jesus was talking of himself, and he's talking to us saying, they hated me. Don't be surprised that they hate you. Luke 6, verse 22, says, what blessings. Did you know that there's a blessing for you? I'm talking about David. I'm talking about misfit toys, and I'm talking about now us here in the future, us here in time, just like him, that we're, we're ostracized, we're hated, we're pushed aside. Who feels sometimes that you just can't find a place, your place you just don't really fit with anyone. This is what I'm trying to say. Maybe I just need to kind of bring this thing together. Just don't seem to kind of fit with any group, even amongst Christians. I'm just not quite like those Christians or those and not judging or, or calling them anything, but I'm just, there's just something we're just not quite the same. And the Bible says... 
What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you? Wow, this is quite a list. As evil, so they're calling you evil. They hate you. They exclude you. Come on, this is either you're in the world or you want to be in the church, but now you actually want to live like Christ, and now the church is after you. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's not just the world's hatred. You actually want to follow Christ. You want to live a life that repents. It's at the cross that, that wants to talk about his blood, that wants to talk about heaven, God forbid, and mention Satan in church. Like we're afraid to say these things. And now you're a church that says those things, and now you're ostracized and talked about and hated and cursed just like the world. Don't be surprised. Don't be confused. David was a nobody from nothing, and God put a call and a purpose on his life just as he did yours in this room, and even his own family didn't understand who he was. But the Bible says there's a blessing on you. There's a blessing on you. When you follow, it says, they curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, come on, this is what we all do. I do this every time. Verse 23, you're probably just like me. I always just get happy, right? It's what we do. It's normal, right? It's my first reaction to cursing and hate and exclusion and mockery and just like, okay, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. Yep, first thing I do. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Listen, guys, that is it. Do not strive for this world and this life. This, you might be known here. You could become somebody here. You can do great things here. And sure, you could get a following. Come on, do you really want a following and cancel culture? The moment you do one thing wrong, you're done. You're canceled. Do you really want to work so hard to get, some, get, to get a name and try to get some fame and some achievements in this earth? My word says, my reward is not in the earth, but it's in heaven. That's the reward I want. The reward I want is in heaven. It says, and remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What is Jesus saying in Luke 6, just like John 15? He says, this is normal. Everybody say normal. See, we started saying a phrase just a few years ago, new normal. You cannot let the world define normal. God defines normal. The word defines normal. You have to just be settled in that as a believer. You have to decide, I don't care that the world doesn't think I'm normal. Because by definition of the word of God, I'm the normal that God wants, that God defines as normal. And I'm not going to try to make, you know, a big scene. I'm not going to try to convince people that I'm either normal or abnormal. I'm just going to be the person that God called me to be. I'm going to love like Christ who is within me. And if they like me or hate me or love me, even if they love me and praise me, I'm just going to put those things 
the, I'm just going to put that on the altar. Take all, even their praises. Oh, man, look at that believer. Look what they did for the king. I'm going to take that just like I would take the hatred and cursing, and I'm just going to put it on the altar and give, give God all the glory because my reward only comes from him. The only name I want, the only praise I want is from God. Now, as I close here, I told you I was going to talk about misfit toys because who, whoever watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I mean, if you guys have, must have seen it at least once in your life, you must have an idea what the misfit toys are. Some of the misfit toys were Charlie in the Box. That's normal, right? Charlie's like, I just like Jack. I'm just Charlie. A spotted elephant a train with square wheels, and a water pistol that shoots jelly, and a bird that swims instead of flying. Just normal. But Rudolph was the perfect leader because he also didn't fit in, did he? He's a reindeer that had a red glowing nose. You know, there was a group of men, this is what the Bible says, there was a group of men that didn't fit in, just like the misfit toys. There was a time when David is running. It says here in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam, and soon his brothers... And all his relatives, now these are the same brothers that they took, they, at, when he was there with Goliath, his brothers said to him, what are you doing here? Go back to your few sheep. And now this nobody, in obscurity, is suddenly drawing a crowd. And the Bible says, verse 2, then others began coming. The Bible does not tell us that David sent out a request, hey, come to me. I'll help you. The Bible literally never explains why these men decided to go to David in this cave. It says, Men who were in trouble, I want you to say this out loud with me, people who were in trouble, in debt, or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Now, chapter 23 says that that ends up becoming 600 men, and it's actually, when the number is named, it's just men, because... You can read about Ziklag. Basically, they end up in this town, and this raiding army comes in and takes all their women and all their stuff, and the 600 go to get them back. So we know that it's not just 600 men, but those are the men, that, but these men had families and things, and they, they came. And the Bible says uh, that Abiathar, 
He was the son of Ahimelech, the high priest. When all the priests were killed by Saul, he went to David. And you can start going through your Bible. You'll see in 1 Samuel and in 1 Chronicles that this uh, group of men keeps growing and growing and growing. What was it? What was God doing? What was it about David? Why would all these men just end up with David? Like I said, the, the word doesn't really give us the initial description, but I'll tell you what the word does do. The word ends up telling us, you can read it on your own time. We don't have time for it, and it's a long list. But you can read in 2 Samuel. You can read in chapter 23. And you can also read in 1 Chronicles 11 and 12. That these nobodies just like David, these indebted, come on, these guys that were, had issues, everybody say they had issues. They were trains with square wheels. But the Bible says that God put a group of people together. Come on, the reason you don't fit is because you're not meant to fit. But God has a group of people. Come on, this is why believers... Listen, Jesus was with the prostitutes, and he was in the streets, okay? I'm not telling you to go out of the world. Still go to your job, all right? You still have to be amongst your unsaved family and friends, but there's a reason you don't fit in with them. They were not the ones that Jesus shared his intimacies with. His intimate secrets were with the disciples in the upper room, just as they are to be with you and with believers. The reason you don't fit is you're not meant to. And God puts square wheels on you on purpose because there's a group of you that God has called together. And it doesn't even make sense why, you, why Christians, come on, why the Christian that doesn't fit, doesn't fit, come on, I'm not insulting you today, hopefully, that you're the misfit toys here. But there is a reason why you look around and you're like, we've all got issues. Because God put together a group of people with issues on purpose. Come on, praise God. Because it's exactly where you needed to be. David needed to go through what he needed to go through to be the leader. Isn't this amazing? You know, is God limited? Could God have just taken David and just made him king? Is anybody, does anybody think that God was limited? Did David need to be pursued by Saul for all these years and to wander? If you read his story, he just seems to wander about. Has anybody ever thought that? He's over here with the Philistines, and he's in a cave, and he's hiding from Saul. But you know what's happening that I think we miss? The real story here is not David wandering. You know what was happening? He was like a magnet. Come on, there are, there are so many, there are people, there were those that rejected David. Many, many, many rejected him. Eventually he becomes king and not as many reject him. That's not our goal. We're not striving to like one day be less rejected. But in your life, God has placed you in places so that other people with issues, you don't even know how they end up in your life and you think what's going on, but God is placing these people 
He's putting you together on purpose. These guys, it's amazing. You ever just read in your own time, because we got to close, but read it in your own time, the things that these men, just the immense victories, this, the, 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 the loyalty that they had to each other and to David and to God, it's incredible. And I just, so I just, hopefully, hopefully this made some sense because it, it was like a lot. I had a lot that I'm trying to funnel down into a sermon, but I can sum it up this way. The Lord has a plan and a call and a purpose for you. And maybe you felt like a misfit toy your whole life. And it's by, I'm not saying by design that God designed the flaws, but it's by design that God used the flaws. I mean, since I was a kid and like, I remember in my neighborhood, just not really, just not quite having friends like my friends had friends. And it's just on purpose. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to go down the rabbit trail, but maybe you feel like that too. And it's because the Lord wants to be the one that you're closest to. David was so sweet with the Lord. His relationship with the Lord was so deep. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. He wrote these psalms from his heart. That was his, his strength came from the Lord, did not come from others. And by becoming from the Lord, he became a strength that these men could follow because he got it from the Lord. Instead of David needing to get it from others, come on, you see what this, you see this amazing picture that God did? Instead of him needing to get a name and strength from the world, because then all that David could do as a leader is offer them that. All I can do is offer you the strength that I've gained from, from this falling, failing, flippant existence. Wow. Amen. I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word. I pray that the spirit of the word, maybe, Lord, that is, makes more sense than the words of the word. I pray it goes into our hearts, and you just encourage us today. Lord, give us life. Bring us, Lord God, into that place that you've called us to be, each of us. Each one here has a call and a purpose by you. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we are normal. And I thank you that Paul testified that I decided to throw out everything else except Jesus Christ, and I only do what I do by the power of the Holy Spirit so that he gets the glory. And I pray, Lord, for this church that it would be the same testimony for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you.